It's Sunday night, and we're talking about the end of time. I don't believe it's far away, mainly because of certain things in the church today. Probably the main reason, well, I won't say the main reason, one of the many reasons I believe we're right close to the end of time is the apostasy in the church. Apostasy is the word apostasis, A-P-O-S-T-A-S-I-S. This is the word, apostasis. That's our word apostasy. That's the word that Paul used in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, verse 3. The day of the Lord will not come except there come a falling away first. Falling away is one word in the Greek. It's the word apostasis. And that is a construction of apo and stasis. In apostasis, apo is a prefix, you'll see. It means a complete or total setting off, setting off of stasis. Now, stasis is an interesting word because it has a bunch of words related to it. It's a, it is, it's a form of, it's in a list of morphemes. Now, morphemes, Morphe, morphe means shape. Morphe. I, I learned that in the 10th grade in Beaumont, Texas at Beaumont High School in Mr. Silverberg's class. I learned about morphe. Uh, he taught us that a grasshopper went through a metamorphosis, meta. Morphosis. And that is a construction of meta, meaning with, and morphe, meaning shape. And it goes through a shaping as it becomes a nymph, and then it grows into a, got a little bit of legs, and it gets these big legs on it later on. And, uh, and I learned that, and that just shows you how even when you're in school, something will come in handy because metamorphosis has the basic same meaning as sumorphos. Sumorphos comes from sum and morphe. Well, sumorphos is the word in Romans eight twenty nine, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed you might say a grasshopper is going to be conformed sum and meta are related in a sense meta means with means to accompany with and sum means to blend with to blend like this blend to lock in with that's sum so when we are predestined to be conformed to the image or the icon of Christ, the likeness, we have to have fellowship, assume we're shaped in fellowship with others. We're glued to them, uh, we're bonded to them, and that's the reason, good reason that, it, that you need to be coming to church and be around other believers. Now, 
Falling away, stasis comes from a lot of words. Here's a list of words that stasis belongs to. Uh, Staros. Staros. Starao. Histame. There's no H's, but it's an H sound. H-I-S-T-E-M-I. And stao, stao means to, means an uprightness. Starao, staros, means cross. Stasis means to stand or be upright. And histame means an upright person. Most of them you'll find are come from this word histame. And starao is the word crucify. So, the day of the Lord will not come except there come a removal of standing upright, a removal of a daily cross, a removal of crucifying self, and to stand, a removal of standing in truth. So, all these these have to do with falling away. We're falling away, I said last week, because of all the re- distributing of definitions to people in the Bible. All these preachers have redefined the words. They say the message of salvation is a sinner's prayer, and that's not true. Sinner's prayer, and Paul said, or the, the man born blind in John nine thirty one said, We know that God heareth not sinners. If any man be a worshiper of God worshiper of God and doeth his will and does the will of God that's the only man that God hears him he heareth so you cannot be praying if you're not doing the will of God you can't pray and ask God for anything besides prayer don't mean to ask God for anything it means to bow to the will of God prosukumai pro S-E-U-C-H-O-M-A-I. means to will forward. And Jesus said, we're to pray thy will be done. So you, how can you pray for the will of God in your life when you're living wrong? And you're living in rebellion against God. You can't. You can't be praying. Just like God wouldn't answer the prayers of Saul when he was chasing David, trying to kill him. Now, you got all these... Sinner's prayer is not true. We know that God heareth not sinners. And, and yes, I understand, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? Belief is the method of salvation. Believe, not a sinner's prayer. And how are you going to pray to a God you don't believe in? How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? Well, the sinner's prayer is a part of the apostasy. Billy Graham is... It's due to more Billy Graham than any other preacher in the world. And besides this, they think you can accept Christ. Accept Christ is a part of the apostasy. Accept Christ is Roman Catholicism. And people don't even know that. And the 
Baptists are inviting people down the aisle and singing 15 verses of just as I am. Won't you come tonight? This may be your last chance. And that's not true. There's no chances with God. He said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, John six thirty seven. So all are going to come to Christ and accept Christ comes out of the Church of England. Of England. And it comes from one of the greatest womanizers in history. It was Henry VIII. English say. All right. Henry VIII wanted to divorce Catherine. You hear me call her name Catherine of Aragon. Wherever the family they came from, they didn't call them that last name. She was of Aragon. Well, she ended up 40 plus years old. She didn't ovulate anymore. She had never had a son that could inherit Henry VIII's throne. So Henry VIII said, I want to divorce Catherine. And at that time, the there was no Church of England. All of England was Roman Catholic. Well, the Pope said, no, you can't divorce Catherine and marry this girl, Anne Boleyn. You can't do that. But he said, I'll form my own church, and he formed the Church of England. Church of England, or the Anglican Church. The Anglican. You've heard me say Anglican. Anglican, for all practical purposes, is the word England, or English. And uh, so he started the Anglican Church. He kept in he kept all the most of the rituals, the incense, swinging the little incense around. He kept his own form of the Pope. He called him the Archbishop of Canterbury, and he kept walking down the aisle where the Catholics would hold the Eucharist up and say "Hacus Corpus Fili," and that he claimed they claim that that turns into the little body of Christ, and you walk down the aisle and you accept the Eucharist. That's what they did. They used to kneel down, stick their tongue out, and the priest would put the Eucharist on their tongue. That's where walk down the aisle and accept Christ comes from. It's just not true. You don't accept Christ. You can't accept Christ. The natural man doesn't accept spiritual things. That's what 1 Corinthians 2.14 says. But you cannot accept Christ, and you cannot pray a sinner's prayer. Will you pray to God after you are born again? Yes, you'll pray to God. Will you accept Christ's teachings after you're born again? Yes. But the new birth is something God does in his predestinated elect family. He arranges your life to cross the preaching of the gospel somewhere. You may hear it on the radio. You may hear a false teacher read out of the Bible and it'll convict your heart. See, the false teacher can read out of the Bible and then die and go to hell, and you could be converted through his reading the truth. Once in a while, I'll hear some guy's false teacher. I said, well, he's just said the truth. Oh, wait a minute. He just read out of the Bible. That's what it was. So this is all a part of the apostasy. The accept Christ, 
God's not inviting anyone down an aisle. You're not going to find walk down an aisle anywhere in the Bible. There's no such thing as God giving an invitation him. God's not inviting anyone to follow him. There is no such thing as an invitation him. There is such a thing as an imperative command. When the Lord told when the Lord told Matthew, follow me, that is not an invitation. Follow is the word akulatheo, A K O U L A T H E O. Akulatheo means to be in the same way with. There's only one way. It is narrow. And when the Lord tells Matthew that, Matthew had no choice in this. That is a command, and he only commands people who have ears to hear. And Matthew immediately left the seat of the seat of custom. He was a tax gatherer. Matthew could make lots of money. He was a publican. A publican was a go-between between Israel and Rome. Rome would appoint a man over here in a neighborhood to be a publican. And they would tell this publican, you can, you can add what you want to. This is the amount we want right here. This is the amount we want. You can put on the top what you want to, and they have to pay it because the law requires, and if they don't pay it, we'll take and put them in jail. We may even scourge them. So Matthew walked away from a good living because God commanded him to be in the same way with, and it is the narrow way, and that's the way you get into heaven. God has to command it, and he has to give you a hearing ear. You don't have anything to do with being saved. Nothing. You respond to his command, which is not your job to accept him or pray a prayer to him while you're still lost in sin. That never, that never made any sense to me. I, I would think, how can I do something to merit eternal life? That's the part that's predestination. You can't do anything to have eternal life. If God loved you before the foundation, well, he'll come to you, cut into your heart, and you'll start wondering if you're saved or not. A person that's not saved never wonders. The only one that wonders is the believer because you've got an inner man and an outer man. It's the outer man that knows he's a sinner. That's his fleshly man. And you wonder, how can I be saved? How can I know I'm saved? Well, you have to grow old to know you're saved. That's another one of the apostate doctrines of the church. You got to know tonight. You got to walk down the aisle and make sure. No, you don't. People will say, Yeah, but Paul said, I know whom I have believed. <laughs> well, he didn't say that. Not the way you're putting it. Here's what he said He said, I am an apostle. I'm a preacher and I'm a teacher. I'm an apostle. I'm a preacher 
and I'm a teacher. For which things I also suffer. Now, before he was a believer, he was a killer, a murderer of Christians. And after years, when he writes to Timothy, he's in prison in Rome. After years of preaching truth to the world, and he's in prison, he says, I'm an apostle of preaching, a teacher, and I can see where I come from to where I am now. And he said, therefore, I know whom I have believed, whom I have believed. Now, preachers that preach, you have to be absolutely sure. They're saying you have to gnosko or have a gnosis that you got to be scientifically positive that you're saved. That's not what Paul said. Paul said, I ido, who have believed, I see. I see Christ in me and these people that are that are chasing me, trying to kill me. They used to be my friends, and I used to be one of them, and I've changed so much. I'm suffering at the hands of of Pharisees who want to kill me, and I used to be a Pharisee trying to kill Christians. He said, that's how I see what I believe in. And this thing of you have to know tonight, that's apostasy. It's not true. I don't like it when preachers say those kind of things. I hate to hear preachers say, you must know tonight. No, you don't. First of all, if you want to know, and you don't think you know, but you want to know, that means you are a believer. You understand that? That means you are a believer because you want to know the truth about the Lord in your life. So anytime you... preached a message on this one time doubting is a sign of salvation the only person that can doubt the inner man doubts that God will save this outer man and he won't he'll give you a new body one day so any doubt that you have that's a sign that you're a believer it's not a sign that you may you need to walk down the aisle and get saved again make sure no we ain't going to baptize you in water All this false doctrine is apostasy. That's a part of what we're in. All this tongues movement is apostasy. They don't even know and don't even care that the word tongue is dialectos and glossa. And I can't go through all of that every time we get up. They said how we were men in our own dialect when we were born. And it was a miracle of the year there in Pentecost They were hearing in their own dialect of the Greek common street language where they were born. Men from over here in northern Africa and men over here from Greece and from Italy. They were hearing in that dialect. But they don't care. Christmas is Christ's mass. It's eating human flesh. They don't even care that it's eating human flesh. They say, we're going to use this this pagan season to... I wrote to a TV preacher one time. 
His name was Herman Bailey. And I said, Christmas is pagan, it's evil, and so forth. He wrote me a letter back and said, I'm very familiar with these, with the pagan origins of Christmas. And we choose to use these pagan, this, how do you say that? We choose to use these culturally, culturally entrenched pagan holidays to help God get the gospel out. I got that letter at home. We chose to take these, he said, culturally entrenched pagan holidays. Now that's what God needs, culturally entrenched pagan holidays, doesn't he? Herman? Do not learn the way of the pagan. Uh, he said, do not learn the way of the pagan. That's right. Don't learn, the, don't learn their customs or their ways. All of the things that's going on in the church is proof that we have to be close to the end of time. I don't hardly ever hear anybody saying much of any truth at all. Even the ones that are close, like John MacArthur, he does Christmas. He dips people in water. Baptized does not mean to dip in water or sprinkle water. It does not mean it. I've gone through that over and over again. It means to cover with the stain or dye, and the only true baptism is blood. And that's death to self. But if you're blood baptized, you're going to begin to crucify self by learning the truth, saying the truth to people and being crucified for it. Now, you may not learn that all of a sudden, but you learn that over a long period of time in your life. I do things and say things now that I didn't say when I was 40. Even when I was 40, I, I wasn't as plain as I am now. I'm too old to play around with the truth. I'm going to say the truth to everybody all the time that I can. I'm not interested in being popular at all. Now, we got all these signs that we're at the end of time. You've got you got the apostasy, nearly every doctrine that's preached in Pentecostal churches, faith healing is a part of the apostasy. There's no such thing as faith healing. I keep saying this. If faith healing is true, then why is it that the old faith healers keep dying of diseases? Or Roberts died of pulmonary disease of pneumonia. Oh, how did that? Why did he have to die of pneumonia? Why did he call Jesse to plant us in and have Jesse to heal him? Huh? Oh, why didn't he have enough faith to heal himself? And Kenneth Hagin died of heart disease. Jan Crouch died of heart disease. Paul Crouch had wrestled with congestive heart failure for 10 years before he died. How did I learn that? Off the internet. You can just go on the internet, say, how did Oral Roberts die? And they'll come up with it. Poop, here it is. Died of, he died of pneumonia. Why is it those old people among the Charismatics and the Pentecostals die of a disease? And they'll sit back and say, well, they lost their faith. Idiots. Your faith is stronger at 90 than it is at 30. You can be healed at 30 in a Pentecostal church, but it can't be healed at 90. And they're not really healed at 30. I don't know why God just don't blow up all the churches in America. Because we're in the apostasy. Everything that they're teaching in these churches is a lie. Prepentance is the is the form of salvation, support of God's salvation. Being born again is a part of his salvation. Or sinner's prayer is not true, except Christ is not true. But that's what they're saying. So that's the apostasy that's alive and well in the world. Now,
we're talking about other things that have to do with there's a at the end of time the church is going to go under attack the church but the church is spiritual Israel and the church is going to be attacked now the Bible will talk about Israel being attacked at the end of time Israel there very well may be an attack on Israel at the end of time in in Israel here's Israel right here this is an old map that's Israel right there Philistines Canaan land and the Philistines are on the bottom western corner of Israel that's called the Gaza Strip and we're talking about the church under attack look over here in Revelation the 13th chapter what I'm going to do is throw a bunch of these at you so you can see the church is under attack right now Israel is going to this all may come at the same time Israel may may come under attack at the same time but the church is being attacked now because the church when I say the church I don't mean the Baptist church I don't mean the Pentecostal church and the church of Christ I'm talking about God's church his wife his bride we're being attacked with all these false doctrines that I put up here a while ago and that's just a, a small amount of false doctrine I can sit up here and talk all night long about all their false doctrines the church is under attack right now and we are let's go back and see if we are spiritual Israel go back over here to we'll go to Revelation in a minute but before we do let's go to Colossians let's go to Ephesians the second chapter and then Colossians the second chapter the second chapter of Ephesians verse 11 says wherefore remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh you have to look and see who's being talked to who's he talking to he's talking to the church at Ephesus this is the book of Ephesians where is Ephesus Ephesus is on the western end of Turkey western end of Turkey huh map of Paul's journeys this one okay this is Ephesus right here so he's writing to the Ephesians and he tells the Ephesians you're not Israelites but you're spiritual Israel that's what he tells them Paul's mission was to the Gentiles to tell them about Christ they had been forbidden from having the truth from from Adam until Jesus they were in the dark the Gentiles were the spirits in prison prison Fulake Fulake prison means the division of day and night or light and darkness they were in darkness and didn't have any truth from Adam until Jesus and particularly until Acts 2 where God pours out of his spirit on all flesh that's the red yellow white black and brown flesh 
Now, here in Ephesians 2, he said, verse 11, Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision. Uncircumcision was a term for the Gentiles. And the reason it was a term for Gentiles was back in the bloodline of the Semitic people uh, you had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And before that, you had all the way their fathers and grandfathers all the way back to Shem. And from Shem, we get Semitic or Shemetic. So this is the Semitic race. And they're the only ones that had the truth in the Old Testament. And the Gentiles were in darkness. They were in prison. I don't have time to go to that right now, but let's go ahead and and we know that in Genesis 17, Genesis 17, God tells Abraham, all the males in your household have to be circumcised the eighth day. And we find out the reason they were circumcised the eighth day was that was the height of the clotting factor. Even doctors will tell you that today. You were called the uncircumcision by which by that which is called circumcision. You were called uncircumcision by the Jews, by the circumcision. In the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world, Ephesians, that's what you were. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both Jew and Gentile one, and hath broken down the middle wall of petition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity and the law of commandments contained in ordinances. All the rituals were blotted out, for to make in himself of two one new man or the believer, the Christian, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body, and there is one body, and the body is the church in Colossians 1, 18 and one twenty four. So that's the church. The Jew and the Gentile become one. I flip over here to Colossians, over to Colossians, the second chapter. And I could talk all night long on this. I love talking about the spiritual Israel, our spiritual Jew. And that is, do y'all know how much people resent you talking about spiritual Israel? They hate it. They say, the Jew's not the church, and the church is the Jews. Well, it says right here that it is. Because Paul's writing to the Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All right. He says in 2 and verse 11, Speaking of Christ, who is the head of all principality and power, and whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision, talking to Colossians. Colossians right up here. Well, it's right in here, right in there. Colossians. They were Gentiles too. He says, you're circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. It's not literal circumcision. It's circumcision of the heart. And putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. That is very important. 
that makes us spiritual Israel, buried with him in spiritual baptism. Remember, the Colossians were Gentiles, and before Jesus came, they would have had to be circumcised, washed in water, and offer two turtle doves. Two turtle doves. And that was the prescribed sacrifice in Israel to become a proselyte Jew that made him a proselyte. And he says these rituals were blotted out. Point I'm getting at in this the Jew and the Gentile have to come together spiritually at the end of time. Jews can't go to heaven because they're Jews and because they've been literally circumcised. They only go to heaven because they've been spiritually circumcised of the heart. So as we get to the end of time, the reason I'm bringing this out again is because because the Jews and the Gentiles, Israel is going to be attacked and the church is being attacked church attacked but in order to be in God's Israel you got to be even the Jews in Israel can't go to heaven because they believe in Jehovah God because Jesus said you can't believe in Jehovah God unless you come through me no man comes to the Father but by me I'm the only way into the Father and we realize that literally I believe that there is a remnant in Israel because how can all of these things come about for literal Israel they had four wars that they were totally overwhelmed they had the 1948 war 48 May 14 1948 14th and they had the the Sinai war of Jew, of uh, 19 Sinai 1957 and they had the six day war six day war June 5th through June 10th 1967 and then they had the Yom Kippur war Yom Kippur war of 1973 and they were completely outnumbered in every one of these wars and there's no way in any kind of measure that they should have won but they won every one of them when they went to war against when the Arab nations declared war against them on May the 15th 1948 they were declared a nation for the first time May 14th 1948 the first time in 2,600 years since Nebuchadnezzar carried them away into captivity in 586 B.C. Well, when they went to war with Israel, 250,000 Jews, 250,000, they were attacked by 40 million Arabs. And Israel has been whipping them ever since. Now, when you say, what are they going to do over here? The main reason, I believe, 
that there has to be a remnant. I don't believe that God would take a bunch of heathens. Uh, people will say, those are not Jews over there. Those are, those are Khazars. It doesn't matter what they are. If they believe God and if they come around to believing in Jesus Christ, since when was this extended to the Gentiles? Since Genesis, the 17th chapter. Genesis 17, that's when God made the covenant with Abraham and he said, you have to be circumcised the eighth day and anyone in your household that is not your family, if they will be circumcised and they will abide by the laws that I give them, they will also have the covenant with them. So that is the mystery that's been hidden through the ages there in Ephesians, the third chapter, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. That promise was given to Abraham. Then God blinded their eyes and blocked their ears so they couldn't hear. So these wars are proof that Israel is going to be continue to be attacked. The reason they're going to be attacked is because the Arab nations... Arab nations had occupied that land of Israel for 400 years prior to 1917. 1917 was the end was the end of the war, end of the Great War, what they call the Great War. We call it World War One because we didn't know there was going to be a World War Two. They call that the Great War, the war to end all wars. And that came about in 1917. Well, all the way back to 1517, most of the land of Israel was occupied by Arab people. When I say Arab, Arab is a Hebrew word. It means mixed. There's no such thing as pure races, not even among the Arabs. They're a mixed race, a melange of, of different peoples. Well, they occupied that land, and somewhere close to 90% of Israel is occupied by the Arabs from 1517 to 1917, and they were ruled by the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire was the Turkish Empire, the Ottoman Turks. And they ruled that land for this long here. And most of, about nearly 90% of the people in it were Arabs. So in 1920, the Balfour Declaration is issued. Mr. Balfour was the ambassador to Israel at the end of the war. That's when General Allenby in 1917, Allenby, he marched in Jerusalem. In fact, he wouldn't ride his horse in Jerusalem. He said, I'm not worthy to ride my horse into Jerusalem and conquer Jerusalem. He led his horse in and claimed that as a part of the British Commonwealth. And that's why they were under the rule of the British all from 1970, particularly 1920, to 1948. And the Jews and the Arabs were wrestling all that time. And as 1948 is getting close, the reason 1948, that's when this Balfour Declaration, Balfour Declaration expires. Declaration expires May 14th, 
1948, and everyone knew it was going to going to expire, and that they had been meeting in Tel Aviv at that time. Tel Aviv was the capital of Israel up to that time, and they were meeting there, and they had this National Council at Tel Aviv, and on May 14, 1948, the Arabs were fighting Israel all the way through this. They'd been getting along with them up till 1917 when they had been ruling the land. So the Arabs believe the land belongs to them. That's why they're fighting over there right now. They think it's their land, and it belongs to their brothers. Palestinian is just a mixed group of Arab people. Arab Arab means mixed. It's a, it's a, it's a Hebrew word. So they think that belongs to them. The reason they're going to keep attacking Israel, they won't stop. They believe the land belongs to them. That's what the Arabs believe. And you know what? I don't blame them. If I lived in a land for 400 years and some old farmer out there in that land, you walk up to him May 14th or before May 14th, 1948, you tell him if Israel becomes a nation, you're going to have to move out of there and you're going to have to go to the Gaza Strip, the Gaza Strip on the southeastern border of Israel, the southwestern border of Israel, or you're going to have to go to this West Bank just above the Dead Sea, the West Bank of the Jordan River. You hear about the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, that's it. So they moved either into the West Bank or into the Gaza Strip, and they keep attacking Israel with these light missiles, these Scud missiles. Scud. And so as they're attacking Israel, but they don't really attack them outright, if any of the Arab peoples, they say if they develop nuclear power, they're going to have a nuclear war with Israel. Iran has said, Ahmadinejad, when he was the president of Iran, said, if we get developed nuclear power, we're going to do an unprovoked attack on Israel because they believe that land belongs to them. Well, they owned it for 400 years, but wait a minute. Genesis 17 says the land belongs to Abraham and his descendants. But they don't believe in Genesis in Genesis 17. They believed in the Quran. And so they believe that they don't believe Abraham and Genesis 17 says the land belongs to Abraham and Isaac. Then Genesis 28 says it belongs to Jacob. Jacob's name changes to Israel. So this is what this is what Israel uses as their title deed to the land and the fact that the Arabs owned it for 400 years they say it belongs to us so why do you think they're fighting over there do you think they're going to stop they're not going to stop or they're going to resolve it no it's not going to be resolved what you call what you call this is distress of nations Luke 21:25 with perplexity 
Perplexity, aporia, means no way out. In a quandary, no answer. So you can just, as long as you live, you can expect this war to go on until the Arab nations attack Israel collectively. And that's what we've been talking about in the 38th, 39th chapter of Ezekiel. Let's turn back over there. So this is why they're not going to quit attacking Israel. And they're going to attack the church because they believe that the church is America. They don't know that the church is ecclesia. So the Arabs don't think there's any difference between us and the Catholics and the Baptists. And it's all one church. It's all America. So they're going to attack us. Ecclesia is the word church. Ek. Out. Get the word exit from that. And kaleo. Called. God's people are called out of this world to live righteously. That's the church, not the Baptist church, not the Presbyterian church, not the Lutheran church. That's not the church. All of those who live righteously, that's been born again, that were chosen by God. And I believe we're already under attack. But I believe we'll be under attack along with Israel. If there is a remnant over here, I hope that we can be a part of that. When Mike, the fellow that worked with Mossad in Israel, he'd go over there and he took 400 of our messages on a hard drive over there. There was a rabbi over there that was mailing it out through Israel. And he said, you have a cult following in Israel. He said, they know you're here. Because I'm always talking about these things. And uh, Mike said... You've got a lot of people listening in Israel. I hope that we can be a part of, if there is a, a remnant over there, of Israel's conversion. I would love to be a part of that. Wouldn't you? We're going to say, might attack us. You want, to, you want that? <laughs> now, well, I want the other part, but not that part. All right, now. So Israel is... God circumcised, baptized in the blood of Christ's people. And that's also the Gentile church. All right. Now go back over here. Revelation 13? Huh? Revelation 13. Yeah, that's where we're going. And Ezekiel. Ezekiel 38. Now. Revelation 13. You have to look at this as one big picture and one big story. Revelation 13, this is talking about the beast uh, coming up out of the sea. Well, I might as well read it. I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. This is the sea right here. This is also the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit is the sea. It's the Mediterranean Sea. How can the bottomless pit be the Mediterranean Sea? It's real easy just to find the words. Bottomless pit. That's a terrible... I, those, 
the Roman Catholics must have got a hold of that in the translating room not bottomless pit abusos that's the word when you look it up in a strong's exhaustive concordance abusos it is a construction of bathos bathos means something intellectual with great knowledge When you place the alpha, first letter of the Greek alphabet, in front of a word as a negative particle, it negates the word. It negates bathos, like atypical. Means not typical. Asexual. means not sexual. Abathos means not knowledgeable. It means no intellectual knowledge. It means no knowledge. That's what it means. In fact, bottomless pit has the same meaning as nice. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Nice is the word in nay scare nay means no scare is our word knowledge it means science or knowledge no knowledge you tell your kids now act nice that means fake it don't do don't live out here in public like you live at home act nice it's an act what you're telling your kids is play dumb so someone who acts nice is playing dumb to what they're doing. But abathos means no knowledge. Well, that's the word they've translated bottomless pit. That's a terrible bottomless pit. And they called this, the beast rises up out of the sea. And only one place in the one place in the in the world in the civilized world believed God. One place. This is the bottomless pit, or the place of no knowledge. That's because. The only people that God gave truth to was Israel. Everybody else in this bottomless pit had no knowledge of God, and they weren't extended. The knowledge wasn't extended to them until Acts 2, when God poured out of his Spirit on all flesh. And Paul takes off on his missionary journeys and goes over here, goes over here to the Gentile world. That's the all flesh. And they're the people that had no knowledge of God. So he goes over here. He leaves Israel. Up until this time with Paul going to the world, the Gentiles had no chance at truth. They were in the dark. They were in prison. But only Israel had the truth until Acts 2. So, 
the beast rises up out of the sea. This is the beast. The beast, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, had its borders on the great sea or the place of no knowledge. That's not hard, is it? Not like falling off a log. Real simple. But if you ask Jack Van Epi, a beast rises up out of the bottom of his pit and he's got all these horns and he looks like he's breathing fire and high. Don't listen to Jack Van Wimpy or Hal Lindsey. They don't know. Any, they don't know anything about this. I never heard them divine any words. Now, so the beast rises up out of the pit, stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. Now I'll preach on the seven heads and ten horns. All it takes is to define it. That's all it takes to understand it really funny in fact when you back up to chapter 12 verse 3 there appeared another wonder in heaven behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns the red dragon is the same thing as the beast dragon is the word dracon it doesn't mean St. George and the dragon in in uh, in English mythology. Dragon doesn't mean a fire-breathing dragon. It means to fascinate. Make you feel good. It's a feel-good doctrine. In fact, when you look at chapter 12, out of the dragon's mouth goes a flood. What comes out of the feel-good Dragon, smile. Good words and fair speeches, don't they? And that's what that is takes us all the way back to the beginning of the message concerning the apostasy. Good words and fair speeches, all you hear is how God wants you to have a wonderful life and grow spiritually and you can be a wonderful, good Christian a person and get ahead in life in America and you here's the way you can operate your business and you can go forward. You hear nothing but uh, motivational speeches on preachers on the radio. They're not any different than Tony Robbins, are they? I don't like preachers in the 20th century. So, we see this beast coming up out of the sea with seven heads and ten horns. I'll go ahead and say this. A head was a capital city of an empire. So it's got seven capital cities. And where can you find that? Well, just take the M volume, look up mountain out of McClinic and Strong. Look up mount. It'll be under mount. And they'll tell you that a head, horns, and heavens were all the same. They meant the head of an empire, horns. There were four horns that led Israel into captivity in the first chapter of Zechariah. What were, what were the four horns? Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. That's who they were. And a head was a capital city. So the beast has seven heads, seven capital cities. 
I try to name them from time to time. Five are fallen at the time John wrote Revelation. Five are fallen, one is, and another is not yet come. There were five that had fallen during in 96 AD when John writes Revelation. I won't go into that. We'll talk about that later. Got too much to say on it. All right. So it's bottomless pit, the sea, are all the same thing. And the and the beast, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, had its borders on the Mediterranean Sea. That's the only sea that they knew of. They didn't know where the, the Atlantic Ocean went to. Went on the other side of Woman Kelsey's Woods. <laughs> you remember, uh, what was his name? Ernest T. Bias on Andy Griffith. He said he was going to name the borders of America as Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean, and Andy said, and what else was it? What other? Oman Kelsey's Woods. <laughs> Y'all see that? He's funny. Eric's back there laughing. He's seen that a bunch of times. All right, and anybody that's watching has seen it probably. So, the beast rises up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. Can't go into the ten horns. That's a long story. Let's make it real short. God tells Israel, if you're obedient to my words in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, you can go against your enemy one ways, they'll face seven ways, and it doesn't matter how many there are. Don't matter. You can whip them. You can take one man, he can kill a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass, and that's what Samson did. You can take 7,000 men under a king in Israel and attack Ben-Hadad and the Syrians, who's got 125 to 30,000 men, and beat the tar out of them. And the Bible says that the Syrians covered the plain, and God's people camped against them like two little flocks of kids, and they whipped them. Hip and thigh, that's an old saying, means they beat them real bad. Well, the way that Israel gave up their power to whip their enemy, they simply quit obeying God. And what was it that brought obedient, disobedience into Israel? Huh? Bell in the grove, and who brought it into Israel? Ahab. And what was Ahab? He's a king. King of what? Of what? What was Ahab king of? He was a king of the ten northern tribes. I believe the ten horns was the power that Israel had to beat everybody in the world and they gave it up when they disobeyed God. I'll go into that later. All right. So that'd be the seven heads and ten powers. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard. If you read the seventh chapter of Daniel, you're going to find the beast is like a leopard. It's like a bear. It's like a lion. That's what it says here. 
And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear. His mouth is the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power, his seat, and his great authority. His is not in the text. It's a wrong translation. The word his should be A-U-T-O-U. Auto is a form of auto, which is masculine gender. But when you look up in your Greek study books, auto can be masculine or neuter gender. Only one of those genders, auto, A-U-T-O-U. But it has to carry the gender of the antecedent. And the antecedent is the noun. The noun or pronoun that it refers back to. Noun or pronoun. That this autu refers back to. Well, when it what it refers back to is the beast, isn't it? The beast. The when it says was like a leopard and his feet it can't be his feet it has to be its feet I-T-S its feet because the beast is the word to-therion and it is neuter gender Therefore, any pronouns that refer back to it have to be neuter gender. Now, people can say, well, you think you are smarter than the gods that translated this? Yes, I do. In fact, when you look in the interlinear Bible at this verse, that's got the original Greek on the top line. And right under it, it's got the English. And it says in the interlinear Bible, it. Doesn't say him. So the beast is still an it, the same thing it was over here in the Old Testament in Daniel 7. It was it. It was a world ruling system. It's the, it's the world ruling system over here. And it's a world-ruling system over here. It's still Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. But the thing that's really bad about it is that. They outlawed outlawed the 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 Roman Empire, the pagan Roman Empire, and reinstituted it into... When it was outlawed by two of the emperors, they said, we will not wear the robes of the Pontifex Maximus. Pontifex Maximus is the title of the... That's the title of the Pope in Rome, the Maximum High Priest. That's his title. They said we... That was also the title of the pagan Roman Empire the high priest of that empire they took that stuck it over into the Catholic Church so Catholicism is going to have something to do 
with our persecution. But Catholicism was founded on was founded on the edict of toleration. In in 312 A.D. A.D. 312 Constantine issued this edict of toleration. He had been having so many problems with these Ostrogoths and Visigoths and Huns and Vandals attacking. He'd had so many much problem with the church growing and he kept trying to kill all the church. So he said, I will if I don't do something these Huns, these Vandals, these Goths, these Visigoths are going to overthrow the Roman Empire. So he said, we'll amalgamate their sun and tree gods with the church in Rome. And later on, that was brought into the church and renamed Christ's Mass by Constantine. I don't know why people don't want to believe this. They think I make this up. If I made all this up, I'm sure I'm good at making up a bunch of facts. I just studied it. So, he issues an edict of toleration where we're all going to hold hands and get along. They've got a law that answers to that edict of toleration. What's it called? Can anybody remember? It's a get along attitude in the world. Huh? Somebody tell me. Huh? Political correctness. That's taking over the world, political correctness. That's nothing but the edict of toleration. And they want everybody to hold hands. People say, how will there be a world ruling system? The Catholics will hold hands with the Buddhists, but they won't become Buddhist. They'll hold hands with the, with the Islam, but they won't become Islam. The Baptists will join in. And they'll all hold hands, doing the same thing that the Baptists do when they go with church. They'll, the Baptists will church of Christ going to hell. They believe in being water baptized to go to heaven. But they'll gather together with some church of Christ and Catholics down at an abortion clinic and sit in together. And they don't even believe each other's going to heaven. That's part of the edict of toleration. Everybody is getting along. They just accept all this apostate doctrine. We're all going to get along. How how can I be telling the truth? I'm a little bitty man without any reputation. I don't have any formal education. I want to tell you more about the Bible than professors are going to tell you at some seminary. You got the spirit, though. They don't. Huh? You have the spirit, they don't. Yeah, I don't think they do. So, when you have Roman Catholicism, you have the edict of toleration. It's going to permeate the world here at the end of time in the form of political correctness. They're trying to make laws right now. They're trying to come up with laws to forbid you from being on television calling anybody else's name because all the other preachers don't believe in doing that. Even John MacArthur don't. Once in a while he'll call 
Joel Osteen's name, but he doesn't come down real hard like I do. He's a real easy going with his condemnation of some of the charismatics, but he won't condemn the Baptists for their false doctrines, and they're packed full of false doctrine. <coughs> People are tolerating all these lies, and they're going to... I wouldn't be surprised if they passed laws to get me kicked off at TV. Because we've already applied to go on direct TV, and Dave sent direct TV a, a DVD, didn't you? Yeah, sent the whole package. Sent a whole package to them. They said, you are running down most of the preachers on direct TV, and we can't have you on direct TV. It would be expensive. We were going to just get some 30-minute slots. They said, you can't come on because you are giving John Hagee and and all these false teachers a hard time. They didn't call them false teachers, I did. So they are forbidding us with this political correct doctrine from coming on direct TV. Public TV in Laredo, Texas won't you on either. You what? Public TV in Laredo, Texas won't tolerate They won't in Laredo? They won't let us on because we would call out other religions. And- well... It's getting to where a lot of them won't let you come on. So, we got this beast here, and it's a dragon, dracon, and it fascinates and says smooth words. And I saw one of his heads that it wounded him to death. I'll go into that later. That's one of the capital cities. I believe it's the capital city of Rome under the pagan Roman Empire. They outlawed that city, and then it renewed in the form of Roman Catholicism. And his deadly wound was healed. That's the, that's the coming back to life in the form of Roman Catholics. And all the world wandered after this world-ruling system. And they worshipped the dragon, Dracon, the fascinator, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto this world-ruling system? Something's going to happen in politics. We've got about 50 nations that's teetering and tottering on bankruptcy right now, and the United States is one of them. This thing is going to collapse. It can't keep from collapsing. We owe right at $20 trillion in a national debt. We can't pay that off in 10,000 years. It's not possible. It's just going to keep growing. I keep saying what these politicians do... They say, we're going to address the national debt. No, they're not. They lie. What they mean when they say, we're going to address the national debt, if this is the national debt, if that's the national debt, and this is the interest on the national debt, and they only bring in this much money to pay on the interest on the national debt, what they do is they go out here and try to cut spending on some program it might be your it might be your social security they say it's supposed to be depleted already so they got in and try to cut spending to get the rest of this and what they can't get the rest of they throw it on the national debt back about three years ago we owed 18 trillion dollars or 16 trillion dollars and now we owe around $20 trillion on the national debt. 
however many zeros a trillion. And so we owe 20 trillion and we have committed ourselves to 232 trillion dollars. Where did you get that? You go online, look up national debt, you look at, there's a professor in Boston University in uh, Boston, his name's Kotlikoff, supposed to be an expert on national debt. He said, we owe, we have committed ourselves to $232 trillion. And that's probably grown more. We're going to go down in America. And people will call me when this state starts to collapse. And they'll say, Jim, you're right. I'm not right because of me. I'm right because of what the Bible says, that God's going to bring judgment on this nation for the way we've treated his word. So, let's read on here. I saw one of the capital cities wounded to death. And you find that over in the 17th chapter, when it says in verse 10, And I fell at the feet of Christ to worship him, and he said unto me, no, wait, that's 19, excuse me, 17. 17, the beast that thou sawest was and is not. The reason he is not is because the one capital city was outlawed. And shall ascend out of the place of no knowledge. Every time you see bottomless pit, say, think place of no knowledge. Shall descend out of the place of no knowledge and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and is. That's the beast that died in the form of the Holy Roman, excuse me, the pagan Roman Empire. It died because two of the Caesars said we won't wear those robes. So they outlawed the fire worship and reinstituted it in the form of Catholicism and they renamed all the, the Mary of Roman they renamed Aphrodite or Venus Aphrodite they renamed Aphrodite Mary Mary and Aphrodite means wrath subduer and the reason the Catholics pray to Mary they say that she can subdue the wrath of her son Jesus and Jesus doesn't have wrath that's the father so wrath subduer they change Aphrodite to Mary and they pray to Mary instead of Aphrodite that's the same thing. That's Roman Catholicism. And Malita is what they called her in another state. Malita. Malita means female mediator or mediatrix. Means a, med- a mediatrix is a female mediator. That's why they prayed to Mary. So when they outlawed the old Roman Empire, they were instituted in the form of Roman Catholicism. So Roman Catholicism is not something you see. It's something that's permeating our society. It's in the Baptist churches in the form of the invitation hymn. It's in the Baptist churches in the form of Easter and Valentine's 
and Halloween. They might as well celebrate Mardi Gras because it's all the same in a different culture. Same thing. I could put it on the board. I don't have time. Now, let's keep reading. And all the people worship the world beast system, the dragon. That's saying smooth words and everybody's going to get along. Which gave power unto the beast and they worshipped unto the beast. Who is able to make war with the beast? It'll be everybody joining hands and say we're all going to get along. And all people like Jim Brown has to shut his mouth on the TV. And we're having experience because Dee has... She calls the different stations to see about getting Scott our missionary on Spanish TV to preach truth to them and they're telling you on some of them you can't come on and run down these other preachers right it's going on right now and there was given unto it not him it because that's the word all too a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months that's the 70th week of Daniel, 70 weeks at the end of time, 42 months. A time, times, and half a times, that's three and a half years. And 1260 days. These are all the same thing. 1260 days is one half of seven years on a 360 day a year Jewish calendar. So when you see time times and half a times, that's time is a year, times is two years, half a year, that's three and a half years. 42 months is three and a half years. 1260 days is half of seven years on a 360-day Jewish calendar. Now, and he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Tabernacle is the word skues. It's K-E- U-E-S it comes from the word skine it means a wife that's useful to the husband that would be the church he's going to blaspheme the church blaspheme is the word blasphemos Blasphemos is a form of, it comes from blapto. Sounds like a soap in a cartoon, doesn't it? Blapto and feme. All right, P-H-E-M-I. It's our word fame. They're going to blaspheme the fame of the church. The church is going to be under attack. Going to bless. Do I have much time to have, Mike? Gosh, I ain't going to get to all of this. All right. And it was given unto him, or to it, 
the world-based ruling system, the beast with no knowledge of God, it was given unto it to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all, not him, it, kindreds, tongues, and nations. There's going to be war against the people of God. And we are the spiritual Israel. It'll be war against us and any converts out of Israel, any part of the remnant in Israel. Now look over here real quick. I'm about to run out of time. Look over here real quick at Daniel 7. We've got to see all the places that war is against the church or war is against Israel or spiritual Israel. They're not going to make war with the Baptist church. They don't care what the Baptists say. They're not offending anyone. It'll be the few that's in the narrow way they're going to tell us. You're going to have to cease and desist. They may come in here one day with a cease and desist order and say, Jim Brown, you can keep meeting here, but you can't call down anybody. The words are getting out out here that you're calling down all these preachers. In order to do that, they would have to amend the Constitution. But amending the Constitution is not difficult when they're having homosexual marriages and homosexuality is a is a ultimate lifestyle. They wouldn't have any problem amending the Constitution to include that, would they? They can change about anything they want to. They don't even have to amend the Constitution. All they got to do is get the Supreme Court to meet for about six weeks to figure out what these guys meant in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution that took them a few days to write. It takes all these guys on the Supreme Court. How many are the 12? Or is it nine? Nine. And it takes them years to figure out whether they meant something on the when they wrote up the Constitution. What applied then don't apply now. Now, all right, go to Daniel 7. You see this lion, bear, and leopard in the first part of Daniel 7. He says in verse 1, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. And Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, behold, four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea. World empires were called a wind. God said an east wind was going to come and carry southern Judah away from captivity, carry Israel away into captivity. The east wind was the Babylonian king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And the four great beasts came up out of the sea, diverse from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked. It was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon his feet as a man. And a man's heart was given unto it. That's Nebuchadnezzar, where God struck Nebuchadnezzar down. Made him stand up and confess God. Nebuchadnezzar said, All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He doeth according to his will. Uh, will in, in, in the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand and say to him what doest thou those are Nebuchadnezzar's words and behold another beast a second like a bear the bear is the largest carnivore what brought down Israel 
excuse me, what brought down Babylon was the largest armies that had ever existed. They'd have as many as two and a half million men in a Persian army. So Persia was like the bear, and it raised up on its one side and had three ribs in its mouth. Uh, Persia had three great conquests, Lydia, Babylon, and Egypt. And in between the teeth of it, and they said unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. And after this, behold, and another like a leopard. The leopard was the killing machine. One of the greatest killing machines that's ever lived is the leopard. It's not as big and as strong as a lion, but if a leopard comes after you, it comes to eat. It's going to kill, it hunts alone, and it kills at night. And if you're a man and it attacks you, you're going to die and be eaten by the leopard. A lion may maul you and throw you to the ground. A bear may maul you and throw you to the ground. A leopard's going to eat you. And the leopard and the great killing machine was Alexander the Great. That's what this is talking about. After this, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, and the beast had also four heads, four capital cities. The capital city of Babylon was Babylon on the Euphrates River. The capital city of Persia was Babylon, the city of Babylon. These are the four of the heads of the seven heads of Revelation 13. It's four of them. And then Persia kept they loved Babylon so much they kept the capital city there. And then when Persia was overthrown by Alexander the Great, he thought Babylon was such a beautiful city, such a magnificent site, that he made his capital there. So there's the three of the cities. Then when the Persian princes were subdued by by Rome, when Alexander the Great died, he left his empire to his four generals, Cassander, Lysacomus, Lysacomus, Cassander, uh, Seleucus, and Ptolemy. The Ptolemies were were of Egypt, were the Egyptians, were the Egyptian people, and Seleucus was the Syrian people. What's amazing, they would marry one of their daughters into a foreign land in order to attain a peace with that land. And Seleucus, they had a daughter in among the Syrians. Syria's up here. And they married her to the kings of Egypt. And her name was Cleopatra. Cleopatra was an Egyptian. She was a Syrian. So they married her to Egypt, and they ended up with peace with Egypt for so long. Now, where was I? All right. So the beast had four heads. That's these guys here. When Alexander the Great dies, these are the four heads right here. Those four men. And the guy who got the lion's share of the empire was Seleucus. 
He's the one that tried to raise up his own empire and attack the world. And the Romans would have to come over here and set him in his place from time to time. You got a bunch of Seleucus. That's where you get the Antiochus. Antiochus was a Antiochus Epiphanes was a solution king. Antiochus the Great was a was a solution king. He had all these different Antiochus, and that's where we get the name Antioch. You had Antioch here. You had one over here in Galatia. Galatia is a state right there in the middle of what we call Turkey. I hope you can remember a lot of this. Because if you can, it'll help you to discuss things with people. All right. Now, I'm going to skip down away from this. Well, let me read this last beast. Verse 7. This I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful, terrible, strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. Now, iron was the strongest metal back then. They had not learned to smelt metals and blend metals. They had learned to come up with carbon and iron, which gave them steel. They hadn't learned that yet. The strongest metal back then was iron, and the strongest empire was the Roman Empire that overthrew all these others, these other three. It subdued the others. It actually subdued these four generals right here, put them in check. There was the time that Seleucus, one of the Seleucian kings, Antiochus Epiphanes, was going to go down here and attack Egypt. And, and Rome sent a general, said, you, they sent him a, then sent an Antiochus Epiphanes a signal, said, you meet us on this island of Cyprus. And that are the names back then. You meet us over here. And he comes over here to Cyprus. And this. Roman general draws a circle around him on the ground, draws a circle. says, don't you step out of that until you promise us that you will not attack Egypt. And boy, he was just gritting his teeth. He was so mad he was biting nails into it. I don't like that, but I promise. <laughs> you ever have one of your kids promise you that way? I promise, mama. And that's the way Antiochus Epiphany was. So he takes off back to Jerusalem. He makes havoc of the temple, offers a pig on the swine on the altar, and he's the picture of the Old Testament man of sin. Don't have time to stop there. Look down here in this same chapter in verse 24. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and shall subdue three kings. And he, speaking of the man of sin, shall speak great words against the Most High, and wear out the saints of the Most High. The word wear out is the word Bela, B-E-L-A, this is the same thing that we're talking about over there in Revelation the 13th chapter. Wear out means to afflict. It means to just come to a place of destroying. It means to afflict them mentally. So this is 
Ennis's attack of the church or Israel by the world beast system. So Israel will be attacked and so will the church. The church is under attack right now. This has to do, I don't have time to get to it. I was going to get back to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, the 38th chapter. And this is Gog and Magog. Gog and Magog is the same thing as the beast. How it's going to end, I don't know. There are certain things that God hasn't let us see. But we know that in Ezekiel, the 38th chapter, that Gog and Magog, that God is going to destroy. Gog and Magog, this chapter talks about Gog and Magog going up to Jerusalem to destroy them. And how God's going to intervene. When God intervenes in that 38th chapter, God says, my fury will come up in my face. God's going to get red in the face at the enemies of the church and of Israel. I don't know exactly how it's going to end, but I'll come back to that next week. We'll try to get back to this sooner. But what I can see is the church is already under attack. And Israel is under attack. All these nations around them. And the 38th chapter of Ezekiel is about all these nations attacking Israel right here. Put, Mizraim, Meshach, Tubal, uh, Madai, Magog, Gog is the mountains between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. And these are all the sons of Japheth, the Caucasian. We'll come back to that next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for truth. God, let me see this thing clearly so I can teach the church, warn the church, that destruction is coming. It's coming upon the church the true church your predestined elect your godly people we will be stopped before this is over with thank you for truth fight our battles we can't fight for ourselves Lord we don't know how fight these enemies and Lord we'll commit to you And you said we can go against our enemy one way and they'll flee seven ways. That may be scripturally rather than literally. We thank you for what you do. We'll praise you for all things in Christ's name. Amen. I can't get hardly get back to Ezekiel the 39. It's just I'm having to introduce everything all over again. There's churches now that saw Muslims preach. Service. I can't hear you. There's churches now that are sharing the services with Muslims. Yeah, well, it, it's not just that.